It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today, I am joined by Matt Collins and Brian Joyner of Over the Monster for our 65th episode. And today is an emergency podcast because the Red Sox have finally done it. They have signed J.D. Martinez to a five-year deal worth $110 million. Guys, are you relieved? Uh, yeah, this is the best. I This offseason has been killing me. I'm so glad it's over. Uh, I am. It's a little bittersweet because we've known this day was coming, you know, since the 2003 offseason season going into 2004 and really going into 2003 too. Um, it's been a long time since there's been a year that both the Yankees and the Red Sox have really both geared up at the exact same time. And uh, so I'm very excited that the Red Sox can compete with the Yankees, but it's just going to be a slog. Thankfully we will have some dingers to add to the slog. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath in the AL East this year between those two teams. Um, so let's let's talk about the specifics of the contract here. So J.D. Martinez signs a five-year, $110 million deal. The deal is front-loaded. He gets paid $50 million in the first two years, and he has an opt-out after those first two years if he wants it. Um, so I guess my question is, um, for both of you guys, you know, how did the deal get to this point in your mind where it's much lower than what we were sort of imagining at the beginning of the year? And do you guys think it's a good thing that he has the opt-out after two years? 
I mean, it's good for him. Um, the opt-out is always good for the player, and there are some specific scenarios where it's good for the team, but it's more bad than good because he's only going to opt out if he can make more money, and he's only going to make more money if he's good and it seems like he's going to continue being good. So I think the opt-out was probably necessary to get it done, but I don't know if I would say it's good. Brian, how'd you feel about it? I think it's the the best of all, I mean, not the best of all worlds, but it's the most logical solution to what became an incredibly complex problem. It's usually a pretty easy one of teams bidding for a player and then you have an offer that's accepted or close and you work it out and it happens in you know november or december so it makes sense if it was to last this long because the total dollar amount was getting pinned down um and he wasn't going to get maybe the the total number of years uh he wanted at the price he wanted so after two years you can wipe your hands of it and move on if you want and we get two years of jd martinez which frankly is i mean we're working in the chris sale window right now so this is all we really need to worry about and i am ready to rock yeah i agree with you it definitely fits into the narrative that we've been talking about with the red Sox for you know the last year or so about how 2018 2019 uh, the years that they do have Chris Sale are going to be the years where, uh, you know, they have the most most players under control, guaranteed. And like Matt says, we're in Boston, so typically the the idea of a window doesn't really work here because the Red Sox are likely to re-sign a bunch of these guys, stock up, add some other players. But, you know, it does fit very nicely into that potential window. So, I mean, I really like it. Um, it's lower than I expected. I, I really thought he was going to have to push this thing up to like 125, maybe even higher to get this done. I think giving him the opt-out instead of more money or potentially a sixth year on the end of this deal was probably the right move for the club. Uh, probably, especially if they're trying to stay below that 237 mark. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that's, I don't know why it didn't get done sooner if that was always the way to get it done. I don't know. This whole market has never made sense. It doesn't make sense that they got it for $110 million. Obviously, it's good for the team, but I still can't really wrap my head around the fact that it was the Red Sox and Diamondbacks, and that was it. So. Well, it is kind of unique, though, because we have um, the Yankees and the Dodgers specifically trying to stay out of these things this year so they can stay under... Uh, the luxury tax so they can reset for next year so I mean that was a little abnormal in its own right yeah I mean that was probably the biggest factor in that which is weird I'm not ready to live in this world but here we are all right so let's get to uh, uh, one of our first listener questions here because most of our listeners were dead on with the questions that they asked uh, in, in conjunction with this deal so Will asks us, what's the disagreement over the Red Sox payroll? He's seeing anywhere from 232 to 239. Um, that's a great question. Matt, you have it at 236 right now. Uh, I've seen some variations of this as well. How did you arrive at your figure of 236? Uh, 235. 235, okay. 
Um, I don't. I was trying to find where the differences are, and I just. I, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense that everybody's coming up with these different numbers. And I'm probably wrong. I won't lie. But, uh, I mean, it's just the average annual value for all the long-term contracts and then the arbitration salaries and all the minimum salaries. And then Sandoval's $19 million, uh, $14 million in benefits. So I'm not sure where these variations are coming from. It does seem like there's uh, some component of it that Alex Spear was talking about when he came up with his calculation where he mentioned the medical costs or something like that for these guys. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that the benefits? I think that's that's the benefits, yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of the benefits. I think, I mean, everyone I looked at had it right around 14. I mean, that's that's why I put it there. I don't really know. I'm just stealing that from other people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But either way, I mean, you the conclusion that you arrive to is that this is going to be under that second luxury tax threshold that is going to really um, push the team back in the draft 10 spots and incur another luxury tax payment. It is under for now, but they, uh, I mean, depending on who you believe as far as their salaries, but um, they're probably going to have to add a couple more players for um, from the minors over the course of the season. And, I mean, you would think that they're going to look into trade deadline acquisitions. That'll increase that. So they're either going to have to make a move or be okay with going over the threshold. I think they're cutting it so close that they don't really have another choice. So because they are cutting it so close, um, one of the things that Chris Smith uh, at Mass Live has been suggesting and that I think makes a lot of sense as well is the idea that you cut Brock Holt at this point because Brock Holt, uh, his salary of $2 million is not guaranteed. And since you are playing it so close to that figure, it seems like you can replace Brock Holt's production with another bench bat. Um, you know, maybe that is Blake Swihart, but right now I'm looking at roster resource and they have the benches, Swihart, Ramirez, Holt, Brents. Um, and I don't think that's going to be the bench. I think that, you know, it's either going to be Swihart or Holt. It's not going to be both of those guys, um, especially not at the expense of Leon, who I think they value a lot as a defensive catcher. So, I mean, do you guys think that that's any more of a possibility now that this JD deal has gotten done? Um, maybe a little bit. I still, I think it depends on what Holt looks like in camp. Um, jacked. Yeah, he's totally yeah, jacked. Yeah, he does look jacked. <laughs> he's still a valuable guy with that versatility. And, I mean, benches are getting smaller and smaller. The Red Sox are going to have Hanley Ramirez on the bench now, and he can, he's first base only. So, uh, they need, as much versatility as possible. So if he looks like he can be that league average hitter that he was before the head injuries, then I really don't think getting $2 million off your payroll is worth cutting him. So then who gets cut? Is it Leon that actually gets sent down or what, what happens here? Um, I think, well, I don't think Brent's is going to be on the team and I could see Marrero getting designated. Okay, so you think that Holt is going to serve as the primary uh, outfielder considering they have J.D. Martinez there? No, J.D. Okay. Martinez is the fourth outfielder. So J.D. Martinez is the factor, de facto fourth outfielder there. Okay. Yeah. So, and then who, do you see Swihart being carried? 
I think they're going to try. Um, okay. To be honest, I haven't uh, really worked this out to see exactly how it would all work. But I mean, um, based on what Jen said to you guys uh, last week, it certainly seems like Blake Swihart is in the team's plans. Yeah, I definitely got that impression. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. And, I mean, somebody's probably going to get hurt in camp. I mean, that happens every year. So we don't really know what the options are going to be by the time opening day comes anyways. This sucks for Brent's, though. If he ends up being the odd man out again after he kind of got jerked around at the end of last season but then brought back and all this stuff, I mean, you just you want to see the kid get a chance. He'll get, He'll get claimed or traded, I'm sure. He'll hit 30 bombs in Oakland, won't he? Yeah, that's that seems like it's going to happen at some point in his career. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to another part of this deal. We got another question uh, from Lloyd Christmas about how this affects the Ramirez-Moreland platoon um, now that both of these guys are signed. Uh, how do you see that whole thing working out? Brian, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's going to be um you know i just i i just don't know i think that they like i mean if last year's any indication they like moreland more than uh we do and then certainly last year wasn't hanley's finest but at least now they can evaluate that without having sort of the bat of Damocles, so to speak, hanging over their head. That last year when they were working that out, uh, they had to choose right because they needed to have the hitting. Whereas now, at least no matter what they do, it's not, you know, it's not mission critical to get the best guy there every day. Uh, offense wise you, you don't need to it's not a scratch ticket where you need to check right away you know you're ho- hopefully that is added value in the power department but i don't know if matt who knows better uh has a better idea um well i think i mean this sets up the platoon right it wasn't even a platoon before this happened um because handley was the he was the everyday dh yeah he was the dh so now it is a platoon I'm assuming it's going to be something close to a straight left-right to start, and then if Hanley starts to hit, they'll put him in the lineup more, but I think right now it's uh, Ramirez kind of gets screwed more than anyone who's going to stay on the roster with this move. Yeah, he's going to get the short side of the platoon against lefties, which last year he was terrible against left-handed uh, pitching, and over the, the course of his career, Hanley has been absolutely incredible against lefties so um, that was definitely bizarre for him um, but I agree with you I think that Mitch is going to get the the uh, the bigger side of that platoon right now against righties um, but Mitch just really doesn't have the same type of impact potential that Hanley does I think he's got probably a, a higher floor just because he's steady and, and that's even arguable at this point but if you want the lineup to be Yankees level it still requires a good Hanley Ramirez, right? Um, probably, but I mean, they don't really need to be Yankees level, or at least what we 
a match in Yankees level will be. And I mean, look, Lord knows I'm higher on Hanley than most people, so I do think he's going to win more plate appearances as the year goes on, but um, I don't think they're looking at it like that, and I think that they do value a little bit of a defensive certainty at first base with Moreland. Now, one thing that we can't argue here, right, I think we're all on the same page that this enables Jake. them to for sure keep him under 497 plate appearances, right? Yeah. That is definitely true. Sorry, uh, and just the one thing that this makes me think of, um, and you sort of wonder how uh, Moreland could get a, a bigger share when, when Hanley has a bigger upside, and it just reminds me of, like, running back battles in the NFL where you, you you see the guy who clearly is not as talented with the football get more playing time and it just always boils down to I mean usually blocking and just following assignments and I know there's less of that in baseball but I just think that with Mitch Moreland they've they feel more comfortable in the background stuff if I was going to compare Mitch Moreland to a Patriots running back, he would be Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. That's a compliment, though. Yeah. Never fumbled. That dude never fumbled. He never fumbled. He was super steady. Okay, I agree with all that, I guess. <laughs> I, I, really I don't. Know I actually think that, I think that overstates uh, Mitch Moreland. I think Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is better than Mitch Moreland. But um, let's move on. All right. Um, so with his money coming off of the books um, after this upcoming season, you know, we, we're, we're pretty much sure that it's going to happen. Do you think that there's any chance that the Red Sox try and before uh, the season actually gets started, try and dump this Hanley contract for something even before that happens to try and clear up some of this? Uh, you know, extra that they have going around the team at this point because the the bench situation could be a little bit uh, less than ideal at this point. Matt, let me just jump in before you answer this with actual knowledge. Haven't they been <laughs> trying to do that every day for two years? Presumably so, but you know, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't. I would assume they have been. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they, no, I don't think they're going to get rid of them. They and would Matt, have already done that by now. And Matt, this is what I say. You know what happens when you assume? Yeah, I do. Sometimes no, you're right. No, no, no. No, you're usually right. You know, that's why you're assuming. Oh, usually thanks. right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, um, with JD Martinez now official, this question comes from T S, um, Toby Smith. It, he asks us, uh, in with Nunez in the mix, what is the projected batting order going to look like versus righties uh, and versus lefties? Uh, Matt, I know you did this uh, exercise on February 10th at Over the Monster. Um, so what do you think about that now with both of these guys now in the fold? All right. So um, this is what I have against righties. Uh, Betts, Benintendi, Martinez, Devers, Bogarts, Moreland. Nunez, Bradley, and Vasquez. And against lefties, I have Betts, Benintendi, Martinez, Bogarts, Hanley, Nunez, Devers, Vasquez, Bradley. Um, I've seen a lot of people speculate that Martinez is going to back cleanup, and A, it's not really that big a deal between third and fourth, but um, 
Cora's kind of made a point that when he's talking about hitting Betts leadoff, he wants to kind of start the games off with a bang. And so if that's your strategy, I don't really see how you don't put Martinez third and then you have your three, probably three best hitters, uh, all guaranteed a plate appearance in the first inning. Um, and I mean, that top three is going to do some real damage at the beginning, uh, beginning of games. So I did the exercise too, and I had it come out the exact same way as you just mentioned. And in particular, um, when I tweeted this out uh, on Twitter, there were a bunch of people who were confused about the fact why I would have Devers uh, in the cleanup spot. And some of them thought it should be Moreland or, or possibly someone else in that spot. Why do you think Devers deserves to be in that cleanup spot at this point? Um, well, I think they want to go. I, I don't know. I know Farrell was big on going righty-lefty, so maybe that's just something I'm used to, and Cora doesn't really care about that, but I had that in mind, and so it was kind of between Devers and Moreland. And Both are lefties, though. I mean, yeah, so it was between those two because it was going to be a lefty. Right. Um, and so I think Devers has more upside. It wouldn't totally shock me if Moreland starts the year at cleanup, but Devers ended up with more games that clean up by the end of the year. Also, Houston only had two uh, two lefties in their whole lineup last year, so that was that was probably part of it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what do you think? I was, you know, the last when I was listening to <clears throat> your last podcast, I did this entire thought, not for each side of the plate, but just the general batting order thought exercise. And I think Matt, you said that every lineup already had. Betts and Benintendi penciled in at one and two, right? Yeah. Um, and then I was sort of extrapolating from that that he was sort of saying J.D. Martinez would be three. Like, I haven't said they're a third because we don't have that guy yet. Uh, and then my mind immediately went to Moreland for the same reason I think yours said. Uh, you said he might – you could see him opening the season there. It just seems like a thing – they might do because they used to do it, but then I was immediately like, oh no, Devers is a bet. I think he's clearly a better choice, and I think they will start with Devers um, at the cleanup spot, and not because of left, right, left, right, even though you know it works out or the other way around, uh, just because he's awesome. And putting him there behind those three guys gives a huge opportunity to just. Uh, you know, pitchers might be, insofar as it happens, pitchers might be worn out by the time they get to him, and he might see some pitches to hit. Yeah, that's a good point. If they do go with those guys um, as the top three, I mean, that's just going to wreak havoc on a pitcher right out of the gate. And you're right, by the time they get to four, five, six, they're just going to be, like, wanting to get off that mount. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And I think that the... The fact that Moreland is 11 years older than Devers as well could play into him not being in that cleanup spot. So I'm in agreement with you that he's definitely the best hitter there. But I think there is some added pressure, especially to a 21-year-old kid coming up for his, in his first full season with the Red Sox uh, to be batting in the cleanup spot. So I could see him getting into a pattern where he presses a little bit more in order to perform at that spot. So I could see why you might want to push him down the lineup a little bit more um, just to get him some more experience and some more comfort. 
Um, I mean, he didn't show any indication that pressure got to him at all last year. I don't know quite the, quite the opposite. Quite yeah. the opposite. I mean, obviously, I just think of immediately of that home run against Chapman. But, I mean, he was brought in to turn around a bad team that wanted to contend. And he helped do that. And he played well in a pennant race. I don't think the... I don't think they're going to be worried about him dealing with pressure. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point, definitely. Okay, presuming presuming uh, Devers fourth at some point, maybe not. Just generally, seems like the best case scenario is that Bogart's fifth. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. I think so. And then Moreland. That's probably what they. I'm sorry. What they would probably do is then Moreland. Yep, Moreland sixth, and then probably Nunez. Or, yeah, Nunez 7, JBJ 8, and Vasquez 9. That seems to make the most sense. Um, In terms of how this lineup looks now, I mean, JD coming to the team, Mitch Moreland being back with the team, um, Eduardo Nunez being back with the team, all of a sudden you have these three veteran guys in there to go along with Benintendi, Betts, Bogarts, the core of the team, Rafael Devers, um, JBJ getting a little bit older now. This is a club now that has a little bit more experience than some of the clubs in the past, especially I think the last year or so uh, since Ortiz has gone away. So what do you guys think about that experience factor? Do you think that's going to affect the clubhouse atmosphere at all? I don't really know anything about Martinez as a teammate. I mean, I haven't heard anything bad, so I would assume it's fine. Um, but I think it's less about experience and more that the dude just mashes. They took a team that won the division in 93 games and brought back pretty much the exact same roster plus one of the five best hitters in baseball. Um, so I think that's more the point than anything to do with experience. Yeah, I agree. I also think that Matt... Uh has been pretty consistent on this and sort of just alluded to it that if anything, JD Martinez has been slept on how good he is. Um, the guy mashes. Yes, he absolutely does. And to your point, I have a Evadrelic tweet here that I copied into uh, our agenda tonight and it has David Ortiz, Bryce Harper and JD Martinez's OPS from 2014 um, to 2016 uh, for David Ortiz and then 2014 to 2017 for Harper and Martinez. And so David Ortiz is at 937, Bryce Harper is at 937, and J.D. Martinez is at 936. So you're talking about an absolute lineup-altering bat that just get added to this mix. Plus some positive regression we think is going to happen from some of the other bats. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. And I think... Um... He's kind of, this is what I'm writing for tomorrow, but um, everybody's talking about how they needed that power bat and they added that power bat with J.D. Martinez, and it's absolutely true, but, I mean, he's more than just a power hitter. He's just, like, a, he's a straight-up great hitter. He's got a 300 average and a 362 OBP uh, since that 2014 season, so they're not just getting home runs. They're getting an all-around great hitter um, by WRC+. Plus. Since that 2014 season, when he really started to play every day, he is the fourth 
best hitter in baseball behind Trout, Votto, and Stanton and tied with Bryce Harper. And uh, he's one point behind Stanton on that list. So uh, he's just an all-around beast. I, uh, I, um, sorry, go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was just going to say, and he's, he's getting paid probably $350 million less than Bryce Harper's going to make next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Harper's a better overall player, uh, pretty clearly, but yeah, this is a great deal for the Red Sox and JD Martinez is awesome. It's weird. What I was going to say is that JD Martinez, um, such a strange career for someone who's so good. Uh, someone of his talent level usually has a much uh, cleaner sort of career arc than that incredible Houston just letting him go um, deal in the first place, which itself is like incredibly strange. Um, like Corey Dickerson got let go by the Rays and people were flipping out. And this was J.D. Martinez at age. Like, he wasn't this J.D. Martinez, but he was good. Uh, and then the whole, you know, bit where he's the sort of the face of the free agent class that took forever. Um, I'm excited that he, like, if he's done all this with instability, maybe we get a little stability. He's, he's really going to be someone who can launch the ball onto the uh, onto the highway this is going to be fun for the for the parking lots out there yeah, yeah and i'm uh, i'm excited about uh, he's him and donaldson are like the faces of the whole fly ball revolution launch angle thing um i mean that was kind that's kind of the whole narrative around uh jd turning everything around so i think that's something that a lot of people agree the red Sox kind of need to catch up on and there's really no better hitter to bring into that situation than Martinez. If he can get a guy like Bogarts to buy into what he has done for himself, I mean, just think about how dangerous Bogarts could be if he adapts at least a little bit of what JD is doing here. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely the guy that first came to mind. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be crazy. I actually got JD Martinez's autograph when he was with the uh, the Houston Astros. I was at a Nats Astros game beforehand, and I was like trying to get uh, Jose Altuve's autograph, and he just kept ignoring me, but J.D. came over and signed, and it was before J.D. was good, obviously. So that's kind of cool, and now I have that ball sitting next to my Bogarts ball, so that's that's going to be extra nice this year. Are the Red Sox now precluded from next year's free agent uh, melee? Hell no. No, this, I mean, no. I think everybody's going to assume they are, but they shouldn't. I mean, they shouldn't be. They're the Red Sox. That's pretty much my default answer to any question of that like that. I mean, they they're have the Hanley's money side. coming off, right? Yeah, they uh, Hanley's money, Kimbrough's money, maybe Pomerantz's money, maybe. So, and all that money coming in because they're the Red Sox. But like, let, let me ask you this: If you say you didn't have any of that money coming off next year, and it's good that you do, but say you didn't. Like, you're not going to skip out on a potential ability to get Harper or Machado or something like that just because you're going to get hit with the luxury tax for a couple extra years, right? Like, with a, with a generational talent like that, you're like, I don't care what my cap looks like. I'm just going for it. I would hope so. 
I mean, if they don't do that, that's that's embarrassing to me. Yeah, I mean, the, I can't imagine a scenario where Dave Dombrowski has a chance to uh, sign someone like Bryce Harper and he passes. Yeah, it's 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 more likely that if they really need to get under that threshold that they trade Jackie Bradley Jr. and, you know, maybe don't bring Pomerantz back or, or whatever it is that they need to do to make that contract work if they feel like they really need to be under that certain mark. But if you're going to get Harper, you're probably going to want to go in all in anyhow and bring back a bunch of those guys if you think they can help you win. Yeah, I, I think they would probably – I mean, this is – all dealing in hypotheticals, but they would have to trade an outfielder anyways just to make room for Harper if they were to go down that road. So Bradley would probably be the guy to trade. And maybe you can get a cost-controlled arm for him or something like that or somebody with an expiring deal at less money. But that's uh, that's way down the road right now. Yeah, that's too far in the future for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So... This Martinez thing does open up an interesting scenario with the bench. We already kind of alluded to that. Martinez should play the outfield at some point. So High Five City asks us, uh, how many games will Martinez play in left field this season? Uh, what is your guess for that? Uh, Brian, what do you think? More than, more than, I'll take the over on whatever number you're going to throw out. Um <laughs> 162. Yeah, no, I just, uh, you know, especially at home, it's going to be easy to stick him out there. So uh, I think that his bat, um, you know, I think some of it also depends on how Hanley hits. And if he's mashing at DH, uh, maybe, and what if Moreland's hitting too? then you want to stick J.D. May out there more often. Now, obviously, they're going to manage him somewhat, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any sort of number, but whatever number was put out there, I'd say more. All right, well, I was going to say 40, so. Ooh, I was going to go 33. You, so think he's not gonna, you think he's not going to play a lot of um, left field? No. I, I think he'll – he will be the the de facto guy that they put in there when someone needs rest. But I, uh, being much less optimistic than Matt about Hanley Ramirez, I feel like Hanley is going to get a lot less time uh, this year than Matt does. Well, I don't even think it's about Hanley so much as they have 10 games on the road in NL parks. So I would say Martinez is going to play at least seven or eight of those. And then uh, Cora has been talking a lot about getting as much rest as possible for his core guys and keeping them fresh. So I think we're going to see more days off for Betts, Benintendi, and Bradley than we're used to. And I haven't done the exact math, but I just feel like about a quarter of the season for Martinez in the outfield, hopefully with more of those coming at Fenway than not. But... Um, that just seemed logical. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's you know over forty even considering all that stuff that you said. But I'm just being a little bit conservative with that number. But I could totally see it. I mean, especially if someone gets injured, like he's gonna be well, yeah. he's gonna be out there as much as much as he needs that's, to be. That's all I'm saying. I'm not like right. he's not. Yeah. He's yeah. Not I mean, the, one of the outfielders gets hurt. Not the he's third outfielder. But 
especially at home when you need to. Very easy to just stick him out there. I think this guy's question is probably, is he going to be able to keep his eligibility in fantasy sports? Yes. He will He will get 20 games. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Phil uh, Neufer, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I think so. I yeah. should know that, huh? Uh, yeah, you should definitely know that. Uh, so so Phil works with us over the monster. But um, Phil says, on a scale of 1 to 7,000, how many home runs will Martinez hit this season? Uh, Brian, how many does he hit? 6,969. Ooh, nice. I'll take the under on Brian's. You'll take the under on Brian's? I'm going to actually throw out a number here. I think that he is going to hit 48 home runs this year. Jeez. I'll take the under on that, too. What do you think? Give me a realistic figure for you. Uh, 38. 38. I'd be happy with that. Ryan? Um, I'd be very happy with 38. And I think if you hit 38, it just sort of depends on, you know, did you hit 38 because uh, you got a few extra? Did you hit 38 because it turned out right? Or you get 38 because you got some gimmies. I think if he hits 30, I think 38 is about the middle. Um, but it could, I could see 45 even as high as 48, sure, uh, if everything went right. But 38 is more likely. He's a Actually, ball no, guy, man. He can get it over no, on no, no. monster. He's got. Problems. I would say 38 is on the lower end. Like, because he, he's yeah. not going to hit 33 if he plays a whole season. He's going to hit 35 at least. He hit 45 in 119 games last year. That's insane. That's what yeah. I'm saying, oh, man. Shit. I don't know. I'm skeptical of the uh, balls being juiced again, too. I don't really know why. I just feel like the home runs are going to come down a little bit. I had the same thought that I just um, deny it, deny it, but fix it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. This is the time for optimism, boys. He is a launch angle guy. He has righty power in Fenway Park. Come on. He's going to get at least 40 this year. I sure. mean, I mean, sure. uh, yeah. Okay. I said 38. It's the same thing. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not going to let you go until you say 40. <laughs> okay. We're on here all night, boys. <laughs> all right. So uh, next question here comes from Jack Graham, and he says, Jake, as always, I need to know if this is a good move. Also, what is going to happen with Hanley? So we've already kind of addressed that a little bit. We think that Hanley is uh, going to get the short side of the platoon at first, but we think probably that this is going to play out a little bit differently. Matt, how do you think this ends up shaking out at the end of the year? Like, how many plate appearances does Hanley end up with? Um, 350. 350. Okay, that's substantial. Brian, And he And he plays... In the playoffs, he's part of the playoff lineup. Brian, do you agree? I'm going to go under that. I think a little bit less because as much as I think that Hanley, as much as just want him to hit because when he hits, it's just so wonderful. Uh, I think some of the attrition is real, and I think that it'll he, he's being squeezed now a little bit, so it'll show up. And I know 350 isn't the most substantial, but I'll go under that. 
Playing the short side of a platoon, do you guys think there's any danger that he sort of loses a little bit of that feel for hitting between, you know, not getting, you know, starts against right-handed pitching and and all that stuff as often as he would like? Because he seems to me to be kind of a rhythm guy. Um, probably a little bit, I guess. But, I mean, his two years that he was bad here, um, he had plenty of chances to get into rhythm and never did. So I don't know if that's a reason why he fails, but, I mean, it makes sense that it could hurt him a little bit. Sure. He read the TB12 method. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I was like a really, I really thought about whether it made me happy or not that uh, no, that players sense. were actually using it. Um, I mean, it's because, basically band training, though. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's just watching what you eat and like using tension, right? Like, yeah. anyway, like that's, that's all it is. Um, <laughs> having strange men massage your groin. I just don't want them to like spend an hour choosing between waters like that. That just don't do that. Alkaline, <laughs> man, you gotta go alkaline. Man, it literally. I drink. It, it literally says like self in the book, the TB12 method. I picked it up and looked at it in the store. Did not buy it. Oh, I have <laughs> a copy right next to me. Oh, <laughs> Where it says it says um, seltzer water. Uh, tends to dehydrate you it's like uh, it literally says it's the best thing i've ever read it's amazing uh well seltzer is disgusting anyways so first of all first of all that is just violence second of all does not dehydrate you don't drink it on its own brian it's bad for your tooth enamel it's got citric acid in it and it will eat that tooth enamel away unless you're also eating food at the same time i don't want to i spent the last month at the dentist i want to talk about tooth all right (laughs) yeah um, so I want to get to one thing before we end this podcast, and this is just the, the, the straight-up head-to-head comparison. So I threw together uh, a little sheet here of the Red Sox versus the Yankees, uh, head-to-head, what those lineups look like, what the rotations look like, and then what the top three relievers look like. And I'm going to ask you guys here, I'm going to go through and see which side of this you would prefer. So first we have Betts versus Gardner at the top of the lineup. What do you guys think? Uh, Bets. Yeah, that's not you. If I said Gardner, what would you do? <laughs> I would come to your house and murder you. Wow. Well, at least you'd come to my house. That'd be nice. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, no, I wouldn't kill Brian. Um, so Benintendi versus Judge. Judge. God damn it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, because you have to say judge right now, but you it's the, the, the level of competition here is insane. It's close. Yeah, though, I think right? it's closer than some people would think, but I, I'm not really hesitating saying judge. I said judge too. I have bets in the first one, obviously judge in the second one, but it's just by it's not by as much as you'd think. All right, right. judge is really good. Judge now good. the big cheeks. All right, so JD Martinez versus Giancarlo Stanton. I have Stanton here, just by yeah. Player. I agree. I do. Um, uh, yeah, I do. But, it's, but it's, again, the level of competition is high, and the distance is not that huge. Yeah, it's it's right there. Um, Devers versus Bird. I have Devers. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm not. A I mean, Bird player, is good. But... Bird is good. 
Bird is very good. Would Why we is... agree that there's more distance between Devers and Bird than there is between Benny and Judge and JD and Stanton? Uh, no. Um, no. No. No? You guys think it's about the same margin? Bird got hurt. You know, Bird lost an entire year. That's true. Um, so, you know, I looked at uh, just today, I was sitting in front of a TV at a kid's playground out indoor that had ESPN on, and they mocked up the the lineup they had Aaron Boone on set they were mocking up the lineup so I don't know if he was telling it to them but Bird was third man and that dude is going to hit and if he's third in that lineup and they think um, in, he can bat uh, in and among Judge and Stanton uh, I think that tells you what they think of him yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm not as much of a Bird believer as some people but I agree that he is uh, he's he's a very good hitter, so he's close. Um, Bogarts versus Gary Sanchez in the fifth spot. I had Sanchez by a hair because I still really believe that Bogarts is much better than he showed last year. Yeah, I have Sanchez by a pretty fair margin. Yeah, I have Sanchez, but I hate the guy. Sanchez so. uh, should be mentioned more often with Judge and Stanton, to be honest. He has that type of exit velocity and home run power. Yeah, he's he terrifies me. Yeah, he's really, really freaking good. Um, but I kind of see Devers having a lot of the same qualities that Sanchez has, and I, I don't think he's there yet. He's not that type of a product, but I think Devers could be that type of an imposing bat once he kind of hits his potential. Yeah. yeah, but Devers won't kill you with, your, with his bare hands. <laughs> That's true. Um, Sanchez is Sanchez is like he's a guy who you like if he's on your team. If he's not on your team, it's terrifying yeah. and yeah. Moreland versus Gregorius, Didi Gregorius in the sixth spot. Uh, Gregorius. Didi. Yeah, I have Gregorius too. Nunez versus Hicks, Aaron Hicks. Ooh, that's a great one, honestly. I am gonna go Hicks. I like Hicks a lot. Yeah, I, I think I will too. I went Hicks, too. Very uh, close. JBJ um, versus Miguel Andujar. Uh, Bradley. Yeah. yeah, definitely Bradley. And lastly, Vasquez versus Torres. Um, I'm going to go Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. But uh, Gliber Torres isn't in there? No, I didn't have Gliber in there because I think he's going to start the season at AAA. But I think it's fair to say that he could come up and be in that spot instead of Torres. Yeah, I kind of uh, I kind of have a feeling in the pit of my stomach that they're going to get Mustaka soon, too. Ooh, yeah, that would be a dangerous addition. So the, the way we have it right now it would be 5-4 uh, Yankees over Red Sox in terms of the edge here, but I do think it is much closer uh, than we're giving it credit for because um, I think that the, the Devers-Bird thing is super close, J.D. Martinez-Stanton thing is super close, Benny Judge is super close, um, so it's, I mean, this lineup, it, can we at least it's say certainly, it's comparable? It's certainly within an injury of being better. Yeah. Um, you know, easily, especially with, you know, Stanton on the Yankees. So, uh, we'll see, you know, might, might not be as good, but our pitching is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The, the Yankees, I think are pretty clearly the better offense and, that doesn't. That says more about the Yankees than the Red Sox. The Red Sox have a good lineup. The Yankees have a stupid lineup. 
Yeah. So, so let's look at that pitching real quick. We won't go one to one here, but we'll go rotation as a whole versus uh, bullpen. Um, the Red Sox are going to trot out there. Sale, Price, uh, Porcello, Pomerantz, and Erod once he is healthy. The Yankees are going to have Tanaka, Severino, Old Man, CC Sabathia, Sonny Gray, and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, pretty clear edge for the Red Sox there, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. I think the Yankees rotation is pretty good but it's like yep. the reverse of the uh lineups yep same 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 thought well here's where it gets a little bit scary so the bullpen you go to it and you have kimbrell um carson smith and maybe matt barnes depending on what you think is going to be the the third most reliable arm in the red sox lineup bobby uh, pointer or, or bobby pointer <laughs> Uh, but but that's versus Chapman, uh, Robertson, and Batances, which is just a, a terrifying top three uh, and, over there. Yeah, and they have Chad Green and uh, Tommy Conley. Conley. Yeah, Tommy Conley is their fifth yeah. guy. Yeah, their bullpen's incredible. It's ridiculous. Even after getting rid of uh, what's-his-name, they're still ridiculous. Uh, who, who am I thinking of? The, Andrew Miller? Yeah, Andrew Miller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Who can get rid of Andrew Miller and still have the best bullpen in baseball? Yeah, Dylan, there's an argument that Dylan Batons is like their fourth or fifth best reliever, and that's wild. So I wanted to ask you guys, do you think Kimbrell is better than Chapman at this point? Yeah. Yes. No hesitation whatsoever. I am just not sure. I... I'm not sure that Chapman is their, the Yankees' best reliever. Even though he isn't, like, if Kimbrell loses control at any point, like, that guy scares the crap out of me. Same with Chapman. That's true. That's true. But Chapman, they have a filter for Chapman on StatCast. Yeah. Um, but Chapman doesn't have Kimbrell's curveball. I think Kimbrell's either the second or third best reliever in baseball. Who would you put ahead of him? Kenley? Def- definitely Jansen, maybe Miller. What about Rivero? I know you love him. He's not Craig Kimbrell. He's we, filthy, though. Relievers, we talk so much about volatility that we just, like, toss aside track record. Um, and that's not fair. Kimbrell is insane and insanely consistent. That is guys, guys. He's projected to strike out half the people he faces. That's wild. Guys, that's wild. Bobby Pointer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so we have two last questions here before we wrap up. Uh, we have one from uh, Corey Bittner, and he asks us, is it all but assured that Mookie will hit leadoff this season? Do you think his production will resemble something more like 2016 uh, now that he has the protection of Benintendi and JD behind him? Who wants uh, to tackle yes. that? Yes to both. Yes to both. Yes, I agree to both as well. I think he's locked into that spot, and he's going to be 2016 Mookie. Um, Last question of the night comes from friend of the podcast, Tom Pringle, all the way from England. And he says, what do you think JD likes to snack on during that period after dinner just before bed around 8 p.m.? Tom Pringle says, I think he likes peanuts. What is it with Tom and the food questions? He's big on the food questions. I like peanuts uh, during that time, so I'll say peanuts. You know, I always like peanuts. They're great. I'll say peanuts, too. Tom, don't give us the answer. Yeah, I'm I, glad he said peanuts. I do like peanuts. 
Um, oh, I'm going to say that he's a healthy guy, though. He's going to go baby carrots. He's peanuts go, are healthy. Um, peanuts are not unhealthy. Come on. I I have uh, peanuts literally every night, so don't, oh, don't what, come at me with unhealthy. Oh, health, Matt? <laughs> no, that's why I'm saying I need this. <laughs> Let me believe this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm looking in the TB12 method right now, and it doesn't say anything about uh, 8 p.m. plus snacking or peanuts, so I don't know. Well, you just ruined my night. <laughs> there's a page of, page of this peanuts, and there's just the Grim Reaper is there. <laughs> it just it says, you're done. You're done. You're done. They're lightly salted, if that makes a difference. Okay, okay. But you guys don't even think he'd go with the healthier nut, like almonds? Jake, I've put zero thought into this. All right. My well, answer was that I like peanuts. Look, I put a lot of thought into it, and I also eat the lightly salted peanuts. They're the best. I eat lightly salted almonds, but I do like peanuts. Um, all right. That is the. Oh, let me just add this as a side note uh, on peanuts. Peanuts are the only <laughs> food that you can comfortably find on the ground at the ballpark and eat because they all come encased in their own thing. So if you like your, your seat hop at bananas? the ballpark... I, I wouldn't pick up a strange banana. I don't think I'd pick up a strange peanut. Oh, I would totally, especially if they're in the bag. So say say you're in this scenario. You're moving around the ballpark. It's late in the game. People have left. You're moving up to someone else's seat, and underneath the seat, there's a bag of peanuts that's open, but there's still a bunch of peanuts in there. You're not going to grab a peanut and eat that? They're in the bag? They're in the bag. They're. I mean, the bag is open, but they're in the bag. I'm definitely eating one. Yeah, I, I no, I don't eat strange food. That's, I'll no. I'll eat anything, man. I'll find half a hot dog. Just give it to me. <laughs> All right. Brian, I'm glad you're with me. They're in their own case, Matt. What are you worried about? Uh, I don't know. Jake, here's... I'm not a big eater. What do you mean? You don't eat food? What? Wait, what? I eat food, but I'm not like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't eat a lot. I don't really eat much. Strange. All right. Well, that about does it for this edition of the podcast, guys. It really anything, does. <laughs> anything before we close this sucker out? Uh, yeah, let's talk about peanuts for 20 more minutes. All right. Well, let's not. So uh, we're going to end it here, guys. I hope you uh, enjoyed this emergency podcast uh, with the original crew here. Um, we will be with you as news breaks. Uh, that's probably it for the news, though, to be honest, uh, unless something crazy happens. And uh, we'll be with you weekly now that spring training has started and uh, – Baseball goodness is on its way. So uh, subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can find our podcast. And uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matt R.Y. Collins. You can find Brian Joyner on Twitter at Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y. And you can find me on Twitter at DevJake. And then follow the Over the Monster account. Uh, Matt also runs that and does a fantastic job updating you of all the Red Sox news as well as all the articles on the site. So definitely check that out. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be with you next time.